We are entering into our fourth year here in South Carolina, which is hard to believe. And we have just experienced our fourth hurricane, one every year since we've been here. We were told by many when we were searching for our house back in 2016, oh, there hasn't been a hurricane in 10 years. Don't even worry about it. Well, there has been one every single year since we've been here. Thankfully, they've weakened by the time they reached us here in Charleston, or they've simply missed us. But each time, there's been that slow buildup, wondering if it's going to come our way, wondering how strong it will be when it gets here, making sure we have the supplies we need and uh, we have a place to go if we need to leave. The cone of uncertainty is an apt descriptor for the whole experience. And at the same time, I hate that phrase, the cone of uncertainty. As soon as a hurricane is predicted to come near Charleston, we all enter into a cone of uncertainty. We are confronted with the fact that we are out of control of these storms. We do our best to prepare for them, and then we try to live our lives in the midst of a heightened sense of potential disaster. And it's exhausting. And oddly, at the same time, it has become routine now for our family to the point where our girls look forward to having to evacuate around this time of year. I do not share their enthusiasm. I am tired of hurricanes. I'm tired of mandatory evacuations. And I know I'm not alone. There was an article online uh, just a few days ago while the storm was still coming about how far fewer South Carolinians evacuated than expected. Around 360,000 out of over 800,000 people in our coastal counties. Less than half. The article said that we're suffering from evacuation fatigue. Evacuation fatigue. It's exhausting to evacuate. And yet, it's one of those necessary evils. We can blame the governor and our elected officials as much as we want because we love finding someone to blame. But the fact is, they're doing the best they can with the information that they have. Hurricane Hugo left a huge scar in everybody's memory that demands we do all that we can to prevent that kind of tragedy from happening again. And looking at the Bahamas and what happened to them And seeing the devastation from the storm, what it was capable of doing, makes the call for evacuation completely reasonable. It really is the cone of uncertainty that we're actually upset about when we talk about our evacuation fatigue. We hate that phrase because it smacks us in the face with the truth that we don't know what is going to happen. And we cannot control it. The uncertainty is exhausting. It's exhausting, mainly because it causes fear. Even if you're the most seasoned coastal southerner and you've lived through many of these storms, there is always that edge of fear, no matter how small it may be, that sense of what if that that nags in the back of your mind. Well, our topic this week for our series on the game of life, as what we've been walking through, is rest. And as with everything else this week, 
Hurricane Dorian has colored my approach to the topic of rest. So I'm not going to quote you a lyric from a singer from New Jersey, as I've been doing for the past few weeks, but I will tell you this. There was an op-ed piece in the New York Times this past week entitled, How Bruce Springsteen Unites the World, and it was written by a British-Pakistani man. So there you go. Go read that after the service, and you'll get your jersey fix. Today, I want to talk about rest in the midst of storms, both literally and figuratively. When you really need it most, rest in the storm. Jesus makes us some awesome promises in our gospel passage today, promises that I preached on my very first week here at ION over three years ago. And I know you all remember that sermon deeply because it changed your lives forever, I know. And you're welcome. Seriously, though, they are promises that we desperately need in every season of life. Promises of rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They truly are comforting words, comforting words for our weary souls. Just hearing them makes my spirit deep down inside say, yes, please, I want that. You can see and feel God's work, God's word at work in these promises. The fact that his word does something to us. His word doesn't leave us alone. We feel the fulfillment of what Paul says in Romans 10 when we hear these words, that faith comes through hearing. Just hearing these promises from Jesus Christ brings faith to life. A faith that cries out for that rest that says, Amen, let it be so. I want that. It's the power of God's word. And I want to spend a moment on what Jesus does not say here. He does not say, Come to me, and I will give you rest, because I will prevent the storms in your life. I'm going to make it all roses and butterflies for you. You'll be able to rest because there won't be any more exhausting circumstances. No, he does not say that. Not for this life, anyway. There is an eternal promise that Jesus is making to us here, that there will come a time when there will be no more tears, no more hardships, no more suffering. Jesus is guaranteeing us an eternal life with him that will undoubtedly be characterized by rest, the great Sabbath rest, when all our strivings cease, as the great hymn goes, when we live in peace with God, with each other, and with the world around us forever. In this life, though, there are and will be storms. In this life, you will have trouble. There will be many more times when we're in that cone of uncertainty, when we're faced with the unknown and our lack of control. In fact, it is that way all the time, if we're honest. We don't know what is going to happen from one moment to the next. That is the state that we live in. It's just that there are certain big events, like hurricanes, 
that wake us up to that reality. And it shakes us. It rips back the facade that most of us live behind. You know, that we've got a good grip on things. We've made good plans and we're working hard on achieving those plans. And we generally know what's coming. Well, the storms in life tear that illusion down. And they leave us exposed and afraid. Think of that famous account of the disciples with Jesus in their boat, crossing the Sea of Galilee. A big storm blows in, and the waves begin to swamp the boat to the point where these seasoned fishermen, most of them, are freaking out and are afraid that they are going to sink. Most of his disciples knew the water. They knew how to handle a boat. They thought they had a good grip on things. Then comes this storm, the storm that overwhelms them and leaves them feeling powerless and afraid, even in their area of expertise. Once again, the disciples are infinitely relatable. They are us and we are them. What has surprised you in life? What has come up that has overwhelmed you? What has made you feel powerless or out of control? What has interrupted your plans? What has left you feeling uncertain? What has scared you? There are probably too many things to even begin to list. I know that's true in my life because this is the way life is. This is the way the the world is that we live in. And this is the context into which Jesus speaks those promises, the promises of rest. When that storm blows in over the disciples' boat, what is Jesus doing? He is sleeping. He is sleeping in the back of the boat. He's completely unaffected by the storm. He is a picture of complete rest in the midst of all of the chaos. This is what his promise of rest is for us in this life. It's a promise that we will find rest in him in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the chaos. How does Jesus sleep through the storm? Well, it's possible that he's just a really heavy sleeper, you know? I mean, Kate, my wife, sleeps like a rock. A a steam train could drive through our bedroom at night and she would stay asleep and I wake up if there's just a gnat like flying in the room somewhere. Anyway, that's possible that Jesus is just a really heavy sleeper, but more likely it's because he knows who is in control. Jesus is not worried about what is going to happen because he is the one whom even the wind and the waves obey. He is God. He is Lord over the storms. And he is not in the cone of uncertainty. Jesus knows exactly what's coming. Now, if you're like me, then you spend a lot of your time, maybe most of it, trying to avoid storms, trying to see them coming and doing whatever you can to prevent them from happening. Because you think you're supposed to. You're supposed to have it together. You're supposed to navigate life avoiding problems, right? Avoiding all the potential disasters out there. You're supposed to get through this life unscathed. Avoiding sin, really. Avoiding screwing up. 
No, it's because we think sin is a matter of actions. And therefore, it's avoidable. You know, just do the right thing. Just like Spike Lee, and I'll be fine. You're supposed to have it figured out. To have a good grip on things. To be able to succeed where others fail. In other words, you know the law. You know what we're supposed to do. And so you work hard trying to do it. But the storms keep on happening. You're unable to avoid them. You know you're supposed to be perfect and work towards perfection. Because Jesus says himself, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So we know the demand. But we're not. And the world around us is not. The storms keep happening. If you're like me, then when you find yourself in a storm, you spend a lot of time thinking about how you should have seen this coming. Wondering, how could this happen? How did I miss the signs? I must have made a mistake somewhere for this to happen. But how could that be when I'm working so hard to avoid situations like this? This is literally like what I'm trying to prevent all the time. I was paying attention. How did I end up here still? All that inner monologue is me coming to grips with the fact that I am and always was out of control. I cannot avoid the cone of uncertainty. While Dorian was happening, for example, I have my little Weather Channel app on my phone. And I was obsessively checking the thing. We heard that the storm was probably coming our way. You know, I'd check it, and it was still like two days away. And then I would put my phone down, and literally five minutes later, I'd check it again. Just trying to see if some, there was some new bit of information that would help me know which way to go. Should we really evacuate? Is the governor, you know, does he know what he's talking about? Or should we stay? I was sitting there trying to control something I had no control over. And nobody did. This storm did something that no storm has ever done in modern recorded weather history. It stopped and just sat over the Bahamas. And it destroyed so much life and so much property. It just ripped the place apart. It just sat there and moved something like 15 miles in 15 hours. Nobody's ever seen that happen before. We have no control over this thing. And I'm sitting here with my Weather Channel app trying to, you know, figure out what this thing's going to do. Trying to prevent the disaster in my own life. Trying to take control of something that I have no control over. I'm in that cone of uncertainty. And this is how I react to it. My response, my reaction is to try to find some kind of certainty. The facade, though, gets torn down by the storm. No matter how often I check my Weather Channel app, I still can't control what this thing was going to do. I have no influence over it, and I can't do anything about it. And the same is true with any kind of brokenness, any kind of pain in my life. The storm tears down the facade. And I realize that my sin, my brokenness, and the brokenness of this world is not a matter of actions. It's not something that I can avoid. It is a state. 
And no matter what I do, I can't stop it. I know what to do, but I don't have the power to do it. That's what the Apostle Paul meant in Romans 5 through 7 when he said that the law came in to increase the trespass. That's an incredible thing he says. The law came in to increase the trespass, not to fix it, not to stop it, but to increase it. We always think that the law is the thing that we're supposed to use to control our sin, to stop our sin, to avoid the disaster, to prevent the cone of uncertainty. We think that we're supposed to take the law and use it as some tool that then we can perfect ourselves with or walk some sort of straighter path in life. And yet Paul says the law came in to increase the trespass. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't stop it. It increases it. And he goes on in chapter 7 in Romans. He says the law came so that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. That's what knowing the right thing to do actually does in us. It shines a painfully bright light upon the fact that we don't do the right thing. This is how God uses the law. This is how God uses the storms in our lives. To bring us to grips with this truth that we are broken beyond measure. That's the phrase that Paul uses, sinful beyond measure. To bring the illusions to an end, that's what God does. That's why he allows the storms in our lives. That's what he does with the law. He allows things to be torn down, to bring the illusions to an end, because there is no peace in illusions. There's no rest in illusions. I can't rest when I'm still in that place working so hard to avoid the storm, where I'm working so hard to avoid potential disaster. When I think I'm in control, there is no rest there in that illusion. I may think that I've got something going there. I may think that if I can just exert a little bit more effort, I'll have some sort of peace of mind. It'll make me feel better, but it's not true. What I need is I need sin to become sinful beyond measure so that all my efforts at self-rescue stop. And you know what happens when that happens? It's the same thing after the storm, when Dorian passed, and all that stress and everything that I realize I've been under, the fact that I'm completely out of control, the fact that the Weather Channel app's not helping me at all, I realize how exhausted I am. I am exhausted. All of my efforts to rescue myself, all of my efforts to avoid the storm, everything I'm trying to do to avoid the uncertainty, it is exhausting. And the storm, when the Lord allows them to blow in like it did with the disciples, I finally see things the way they really are. I realize my fear. I realize my fatigue. And it is a scary place to be. It's a scary place to be when you feel your powerlessness. When you experience that death to your own 
self-salvation efforts. That end of your ability to prevent storms in life. But Jesus speaks into that place. He speaks into the storm that has brought you to your knees, where you finally cried out, just like the disciples do when the boat they think the boat's sinking. They cry out, don't you care that we're dying? They yell that to Jesus. Jesus speaks to us there, just like he did to them. He says, peace, be still. He says, come to me, you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, you who are weary and exhausted, you who are out of control and afraid, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Come to me. Jesus is the Lord over the storm. The wind and the waves obey his voice. That's what the disciples marvel at when everything calms down after he says, peace, be still. They say, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? This is the Lord. This is the creator God. This is the savior. Jesus is the power. He is in control. And he is telling you, he is inviting you He is calling you to himself to find peace in him. You are safe in him. You will find rest in him in the midst of the storms of this life. You may not be able to see how you're going to get through this. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever it is that your loved one is going through right now, the people in your lives, the storms that you're experiencing right now, because we all have them, Every single one of us right now has something going on in our lives. We just literally came through an actual storm, and that was stressful enough. But each one of us has emotional storms, has mental storms, has financial storms, has relational storms, has things that are going on right now that are overwhelming. And especially when they're in your area of expertise, just like the disciples, when you think You're supposed to be able to figure this out. And that's where you're feeling your powerlessness. It's in that place where Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. You may not see how you're going to get through this. You may have no idea how this is going to end, but you can see Jesus. He's right there with you. He knows what's coming. He is the Lord over this. He is the one that is promising you right now today to give you rest in the midst of the storm. He is the one who has given himself for you. He has guaranteed you by his blood shed for you that you will get through this, that he will carry you through, that this, whatever it is, will not be the end of your story that you can actually rest in him. It's okay to be uncertain because you are. You can't stop it. You are uncertain, but you have someone who is certain for you. You have Jesus Christ. I'll close with this. He says to you today, 
these words from the Gospel of John. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you call us to yourself and you promise to give us rest. You promise rest for our souls, that you are our steadfast hope in the midst of the storms of life. And Lord, that we can have confidence in you. That when we come up against our own limitations, our powerlessness, when we see uh, our sin as sinful beyond measure, that we have hope in you because you save us from our sins. And Lord, we ask that you would keep this firmly fixed in our hearts and our minds this week as we go out from this place. And we pray that you would use us to share this good news with this exhausted and afraid world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.